podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Valeria Tellez interviews Dr. Will Tuttle, the author of The World Peace Diet, Eating for Spiritual Health and Social Harmony. Dr. Tuttle will be discussing some of the main ideas in his best-selling book, The World Peace Diet, which has been called one of the most important books of the 21st century and has been published in 16 languages. It provides the foundation of a more conscious society based on understanding the consequences of animal agriculture. As editor of the book Circles of Compassion, which discusses the interconnectedness of social justice issues, as well as of Buddhism and veganism, and author of a book on developing intuition, he explores and illuminates the invisible connections between our culture, our food, and the source of our broad range of problems and the way to a positive transformation in our individual and collective lives. Anyone wishing to understand the big picture of our culture and why we have the unyielding dilemmas we face and how we can solve them will be fascinated by these provocative, challenging, and ultimately inspiring ideas. Dr. Will Tuttle, visionary educator, has presented widely throughout North America and worldwide. A 40-year vegan, he is the author of the number one Amazon best-selling book, The World Peace Diet, and is a recipient of the Courage of Conscience Award and the Empty Cages Prize. He is also the author of the recent book, Your Inner Islands, The Keys to Intuitive Living, as well as editor of Circles of Compassion, Essays Connecting Issues of Justice and the newly released Buddhism and Veganism, Essays Connecting Spiritual Awakening and Animal Liberation. Devoted to cultural healing and awakening, he is a former Zen monk and Dharma master in the Zen tradition, and his PhD degree from the University of California, Berkeley, focused on educating intuition and altruism in adults. He has taught college courses in creativity, humanities, religion, and philosophy, and is also a composer and concert pianist. He is noted for his clear and inspiring presentations and is featured in many documentary films, including Cowspiracy, A Prayer for Compassion, Vegan Everyday Stories, and Hope, What You Eat Matters. Meet Dr. Will at worldpeacediet.com. Here is the interview with Dr. Will Tuttle. In your own words, who is Dr. Will Tuttle? Thank you, uh, Valeria. And I'm glad to be able to talk a little bit about myself and my work here. Basically, uh, that's a question that I'm still uh, exploring myself. I think 
one of the underlying ideas in the work that I'm doing is focusing on exactly that question for all of us. Who are we? What are we actually? And uh, to not just take for granted that what I am is my name and form, uh, which is an object, a thing that was born and will die, uh, a material uh, object, that what we are is the infinite and eternal consciousness, uh, which was never born and will never die. And I think we live in a society where we're pressured from the time we're born, basically, not to understand that, to, to instead of that, to be a thing, to be a consumer, uh, to be an object, to treat each other as objects, to try to make more money and get ahead in the world. And in many ways, because of that, we, uh, unfortunately, we lose touch with our true nature. So I have been able, fortunately, to spend a lot of time in meditation over the years and to just be quiet and listen internally to try to understand a little more deeply and realize more directly what it is that is the source of this appearance in the world that calls itself Will Tuttle mm, yeah. <laughs> and is referred to by that name. You know, I have a certain bunch of memories and feelings and thoughts and uh, this identity. It's really like a mask, yeah. you know, and uh, we're all, we all wear a mask. I think we can't help it that we kind of talk through. Uh, but the mask is not the being. And so to, actually, when you ask that question, who is Will Tuttle, it's really a great question because it's pointing at uh, the attempt I think we can all make to have a direct experience of who we are or what we are beyond just the concepts that, you know, I, I did this and I do that. It's, you know, a human doing, a human being, and even beyond a human being, a being. And the thing that uh, connects all this, my final thing I'll say about this is the um, connecting to my work, which is really having to do with compassion and creativity. Uh, I love being creative and playing music and writing and creating things. And so I think that's a natural, inherent part of us as eternal consciousness. And the other aspect is compassion, which means to see not only human beings, but all living beings as also expressions of eternal consciousness that also have interests just like we do and who don't want to be harmed or mutilated or confined, just like we wouldn't want to be. So I think out of that great question you started out with of who am I, we can realize our essential kinship with all living beings, that we're, there's essentially one life living through all of us. And I think if we look into the eyes of other human beings, we can get a sense that there's uh, some someone looking out of those eyes that has the same source that we have. And the same thing is true of looking into the eyes of dogs and cats and deer and cows and little turtles. And <laughs> they're all yeah. looking out of their eyes and they're, yeah. there's someone in there. And I think uh, if we can be kind and loving and respectful to these other expressions of life, we'll go a long way toward creating a more happy and harmonious world here on this beautiful earth where we're living. So before we talk about some topics in your book, The World Peace Diet, Eating for Spiritual Health and Social Harmony, I have these warm-up questions, as I mentioned, off record. What is your understanding and idea of peace? Peace is something that is our true nature. Our true nature is essentially at peace and is in harmony. 
uh, and is uh, really, I think, founded in the wisdom that what we are is not separate, but we're interconnected with all other forms of life and with the source of our life. So peace is, is our true nature. However, it's it's kind of like going down into the depths of, uh, of a lake. It's The water's very quiet. It's very peaceful. But as soon as you're up on the surface, there's probably a lot of waves because of the winds. And the winds uh, are driven by worldly uh, fears and uh, actions that we feel like others should have taken or we wish they would have taken or we should have done ourselves or what are we going to do then? <laughs> you know, we have this continual uh, challenge, really, being in the human experience, uh, having to do with economics, relationships, politics, uh, our, our image in the world. Uh, there's something um, in the Buddhist teachings. I've spent many decades studying Buddhism, and I think they call it the eight winds, uh, which really disturb the peace of our mind. And the eight winds are these four uh, dualisms that all of us, I think, are affected by. One is pleasure and pain. So we're trying to get more pleasure and avoid pain, whatever that is, more money, more gratification, avoid you know, pain. So pleasure and pain are one. Gain and loss is another one. We we don't want to, as soon as we lose something, we, we feel our pieces you know, slips away. <laughs> we want to gain. So, so the idea is that these both, both of these pairs of opposites, uh, gain and loss, pleasure and pain. Uh, another one is um, praise and blame. Another one, you know, we get praise or we get blamed. And the fourth one is fame or or infamy or ill repute. Everybody loves us. Everybody hates us, uh, or doesn't, you know, so, so our, our, these are the things that really disturb our peace. And the whole idea, I think really from my point of view anyway, with spiritual practice is to realize that what we are, uh, as eternal consciousness, uh, can never be harmed by these eight winds. And uh, it's kind of like the understanding that what we are is the sky, this beautiful blue sky that is eternal and radiant. And even when there's a whole bunch of clouds come over the sky and you can't see any sky and you say, oh, there's no, oh gosh, there's no blue sky anymore. Mm-hmm. The sky is still there. <laughs> it's, uh, and True. it can't ever be harmed by the clouds. That's the thing. So that's the peace. And the peace of the sky, you know, the, the, the deep peace that the sky has is whatever clouds come by can never ultimately damage the sky. The sky, the clouds will eventually disperse. And it's the same for us. Whatever challenges we're facing or hardships or emotional states, they will move on like the clouds move on. And so to identify more with the sky and less with the clouds, I think that's really uh, one of the ideas I'd like to share about uh, inner peace. What do you think is the purpose of the human experience? To learn, essentially, to awaken, to awaken uh, to higher levels of awareness. There is a purpose. I, I think there really is a purpose. And I think each one of us has a unique purpose. So that's an important point. And uh, so when we incarnate on this planet, uh, we have a we have a purpose and we have something we're here to do. And we don't know, I think, unless we awaken to a pretty high level, uh, what uh, the, you know, the so-called past, you know, before we were born, what, what kind of choices brought us into this lifetime with, that, with the parents that we have, 
with the uh, the body that we have, with all you know, whatever it is. But the thing I think it's important to remember is that we uh, are more than just this body, and as eternal consciousness, we're going to have many experiences through mm-hmm. many bodies. Mm-hmm. And I think when we understand that, we can see that whether I'm a male or a female or black or white or gay or straight or animal or human or whatever, it's uh, the idea is to, is to understand that for this particular incarnation, there's certain gifts that I have to share with the world to help make the world a better place, to help other people. I think that's our real purpose is to awaken and to help others. And to use those gifts to grow and to be, to help others. And really only the, the only way we can really help others, I mean, ultimately, effectively, is to help ourselves to become more spiritually uh, aware and awake. And so there's that old saying in the Buddhist tradition about the monkey who sees a poor fish down in the stream and has great compassion on the fish and goes down and brings that poor fish up into the safety of the tree. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. So this is the idea. It's like we can have all kinds of compassion for (laughs) others and want to help them, but until we've really worked on ourselves and have awakened ourselves, we are probably many times causing more trouble than we're, than we're, <laughs> than we're solving. So I think this is the thing is to, is to realize that, you know, some person may have an incarnation where they're a woman with five kids and she has no, with no money living in the gutter, but learning more about love and more about uh, what their real purpose is than someone else who maybe has an incarnation where they're rich and famous and successful and everything goes great. You know, so you never, you can't say from the bigger picture, what's a better life. You, you, you never know. I mean, what success has nothing to do with accumulation or what the world thinks. It has only to do with what you, what I, as an entity, as a being, uh, if I'm, if I'm really growing and learning what I'm here to, to do and contributing what I'm here to contribute. That's what really matters. If we are pure consciousness itself, then you talk about reincarnation. Is this a belief system that we continue mind continuation and somehow we survive the body and move on and reincarnate in other bodies? Yeah, in a way, it's a belief system. Yes, I would say it is. It's um, it's a rebirth, you know, I think, but I think it's probably more than that in the sense that we can experience in meditation when our mind gets quiet uh, directly that what I am is not just this physical body. There's, an, there's actually consciousness that is witnessing what's arising as thoughts and feelings. And the body, when, when the body stops uh, functioning, uh, the, of course, the big question is what's goes, what happens next? And of course, you know, what I talk about quite a bit in my book, The World Peace Diet, is the basic fact that all of us are wounded very deeply by being born into a society that is killing billions of animals every year, actually, actually every day when you count marine animals. And so because of that, uh, there's a very deep uh, belief in materialism that when we die, that's it, it's over, or we go to some eternal heaven or hell. But I think when we move beyond uh, this materialism 
uh, and we and I think it's really helpful to uh, stop eating animal foods as part of that. But uh, but I think it's very important to question the materialism of our society and to uh, realize that if we have consciousness, there's always going to be a vehicle for that consciousness. So when we leave here, uh, we'll we'll be <laughs> aware still. And of course, there's countless books now on the near-death experience. And overwhelmingly, people, when they leave the body because of uh, an accident or something, uh, they 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 can see their body. They can you know moving around. And I've I've actually experienced that myself. In, in uh, after long meditation retreats, I remember. After this one long meditation retreat, I was walking along a pathway and I just went out of my body and I was looking down at myself walking along. You know, so I think you know, we, we can understand that we our consciousness is not imprisoned in a body. We're using this vehicle, but what we are is life itself, awareness. And we uh, will have, and there's many you know, spiritual traditions that go into this in more depth, but this is something I think that is a good question. It's just a good question for us to keep in mind. What What is the next thing that's going to be happening to us when we leave this world? Uh, we live in a society where they want us to think that nothing happens. Therefore, we should just consume and buy, and then we become a slave. You know, so really having this bigger picture of ourselves living eternally, and that our actions matter uh, not only in this life but in future lives then we realize that it's very important for us to act ethically and kindly and with love to others because as we sow, we reap. And that's what happens throughout all dimensions of the cosmos. It really resonates true when you speak or anyone talk about cause and effect. That just resonates true to me. When I even have a thought that's negative, I feel like something in my environment changes and it's everything becomes negative and that's so interesting how the mind whatever the mind is is influencing everything the inner influences the outer in your book you define the word intelligence so I'll ask you the question how do you define intelligence what is intelligence to you Intelligence is the capacity to make relevant connections. That's what intelligence is for any system. So whether the system is a human being or a dog, a cat, a society, a cell, every, every system has intelligence, which is the capacity to make relevant connections and respond to feedback. And uh, so this is a huge question for me. It's very important because I think what's, what we have happening in our society, unfortunately, more and more is... Uh, the loss of the ability to make connections and the loss of our intelligence. We say, I'm just eating a hot dog, I'm eating a hamburger, I'm eating a fish stick. We don't, we don't make the connection with the reality, with the pig and the cow and the fish and the, the living being. We're taught to break that connection from the time we're little infants. And so when we do that over and over again in meals, which are the main ritual in any society, the main way that any society transmits its values and its way of thinking uh, from generation to generation, when we sit down and eat food with, uh, with our parents and with other you know, friends and neighbors and relatives, we're not just eating food, we're eating a whole way of seeing the world and a way of being in the world. And so that loss of the ability to make connections is enforced on us from a very young age. And it reduces, I think, our individual intelligence, 
our cultural intelligence and our individual intelligence, not just um, cognitively, cognitive intelligence, the actual ability to make connections that way, but also what is referred to in psychology as affective intelligence or emotional intelligence. So we learn to just not care about cows and pigs and chickens, to not care about hungry people because they're far away, to not care about others who are different from us. And I think our natural intelligence, emotional and spiritual and cognitive intelligence, uh, really uh, is harmed by this because it, it, it can't. It, it, it would naturally, when we see another being suffering, we would want to help them. And uh, when we understand how things are connected cognitively, then we are not easily manipulated uh, and fooled and tricked and and uh, made to live our and, and exploited. I, I see so many people being exploited uh, today by large corporations, by government, by uh, other people. And usually those people who are being exploited are also exploiting animals. You know, they're eating meat, dairy, and eggs. And they're, and so their intelligence is reduced and they're easily manipulated and fooled into living a life. It's really not their life. They're giving their energy and time for someone else and being exploited. Their health is, goes away. Uh, when they get older, they have to take all these drugs. The pharmaceutical industry is exploiting them. The meat, dairy, and egg industries are exploiting them. Uh, the, the big war machine is exploiting people, taking their money and saying we have to go to war. We don't need to do all those things. You know, we, the, so the idea is to focus on ourselves and our own intelligence, cultivate our own intelligence. And it really works. I mean, it's so great. You know, when you, if we move to a plant-based way of eating and practice meditation uh, and practice making connections, our intelligence goes up. I mean, I remember even in my own personal life when I actually, after doing this for about 20 years, 30 years, I guess it was, uh, 20, maybe 20 years, I was, um, I had to take uh, an intelligence test <laughs> to get my, to get my mm. PhD at Berkeley, right. you know, and I scored in the top one tenth of one percent <laughs> of the population, you know. So it's nothing to be proud of. It's just saying, you know, if, you, if we practice living um, uh, a life of kindness and compassion and really look deeply, it, our intelligence will increase. But that brings me to that question that we talked off record about killing, because we still kill in at different levels. Uh, when we walk around the house, when we eat foods that are, or when we eat vegetables, that are, there are so many microorganisms. How do we make peace with that? Right. Well, I think, you know, the main thing, of course, is um, when we look at the spiritual traditions of the world, um, this is something that we've struggled with for thousands of years. And the uh, the teaching, I think, at the core of religions and spiritual uh, teachers is ahimsa, is the Sanskrit word ahimsa. Uh, I used to teach college courses in comparative religion. And ahimsa is a word that means non-harmfulness or non-violence. Another way, another way to say it is love. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, so I think the basic idea is to just do the best we can to minimize the amount of suffering that we're causing to others and to maximize uh, the amount of, of kindness and respect and compassion that we're showing in our relationships with others and so the, with other beings. And so I think it's first of all important to see that non-human beings as well as human beings uh, have interests. And so what we do, for example, we, we try to minimize 
the killing of insects, but I can't say we're absolutely perfect. There, you know, when we whenever we see a spider in the house, we try to take her outside and let her go. Or we have we have a garden which is a veganic garden. We have a food forest now, even though we live for many years on the road in an RV. We live, actually live for for um, uh, 18 years uh, in an RV with no house, just traveling. In fact, we spend a lot of time in Florida in our RV, giving lectures and concerts and workshops. And um, now that we live in a house for about the last eight years, we've been planting lots of fruit trees and nut trees. We have about 65 trees. uh, And so we get a lot of food here, plus a lot of vegetables and herbs and berries and greens and all that kind of stuff. And so we do have insects that uh, we try to... um, you know, do do things that don't kill them. We don't use any, it's all organic and it's all vegan. So we don't use any bone meal or blood meal or manure or any pesticide, herbicide or fungicide. Sometimes we have to take a vacuum, little vacuum cleaner, a hand vacuum cleaner and vacuum off the bugs. And then I take them down to, you know, to the, to the woods and let them go. And so we, you know, we try to just minimize the amount of, of violence, but we, but we can't be perfect, but I think we, you know, we, we do the best we can. We, we um, and it's a really good feeling because there's a feeling of uh, of not just seeing another being as an object, as a pest. I'm just going to get, you know, because I think once we start doing that, it's a small step from doing that, and then we say, well, those the people in that country, you know, they're just a pest. Let's just nuke them. You know, let's get rid of them. You know, they're our enemies. We don't like them, and we and we end up doing that. And I think the idea is to just do the best we can to resist the temptation to to block another being out of our heart and try to have, you know, care for them. Like, um, you were telling me before uh, you saw a turtle and you thought, oh gosh, I didn't, you know, in the road could get run over by a car. So I'm, let's just, let's put her over in the grass over here. And when we do that, I think, uh, we actually at a very deep level help people even in China, you know, far away because <laughs> we're all interconnected. We're actually raising the vibration of of kindness and the, and the human uh, field of awareness, and I think that's the key: is to just keep feeding the, the human field of awareness with love and caring, uh, and that that helps everyone. Uh, it's good to actually say words of kindness and do actions of kindness, but thoughts and feelings also have reality. So if we do occasionally have to kill an, uh, an insect or, or we do it by mistake, we always say a little prayer, a little quick little blessing for them and, you know, and uh, wish them uh, a good rebirth. <laughs> so uh, so that kind of, that, that's the way I, you know, we try to handle it. But just the, the idea is that we can't be perfect, but that doesn't mean we don't try. Because if someone said, well, you know, uh, I can't, um, I can't be perfect. So I'm just going to kill my neighbor's dog. I mean, we, you know, that's not going to work. You know, you can't do that. So we, we should try to just be as much as we can uh, cognizant of the, um, the interests of other beings. So some people that I have talked around me to, they have tried becoming a vegan and a vegetarian, but then they had health issues and then they went back to eating meat. What would you suggest in these cases? Yes, that's a great question. And I really want to thank you for these great questions. I think the, um, the main thing is, I, you know, I have to say, I've been a vegan for 40 years. So, uh, and it works great for me. Uh, I'm, I'm 67 now and I 
run around like I'm 17. <laughs> so it's really fantastic. And I think basically it's the food, this is the food we're designed for. We're definitely not designed for dairy products. I shouldn't have to explain that, but we're not a little calf who's going to put on a thousand pounds in the first year of our life uh, and become a, a, you know, a 2000 pound animal, you know, or maybe not a thousand pounds, but 700 pounds in the first year of our life. So I think it's important for us to stay away from dairy. Dairy is one of the worst things to eat. It causes enormous amounts of inflammation. There's proteins like casein that we don't have the enzymes at all to, um, to digest. And so it really, I mean, arthritis and liver disease and kidney disease and breast cancer, prostate, colon cancer, these are all linked to dairy consumption. So getting dairy out of your life will make massive improvements to your clarity, brain fog disappears, uh, more energy, uh, pain, aches and pains go away. It's just uh, never ending. Earaches, sore throats, tonsillitis. I had an appendicitis myself. I grew up eating a lot of dairy. There's growth hormones. There's all kinds of stuff we're not designed for. We're not cows. So that's number one. Now, when it comes to eating the flesh of animals, um, animal flesh, unfortunately, is not also not healthy because um, the the actual proteins, animal proteins, are large and complex proteins that our body will deal with it. You know, I mean, our bodies are amazing. They'll just whatever we eat, they're gonna they just say, all right, here we goes again. I'll just do the best I can here, and you know, but it, it, it's like causes uh, all kinds of stress on our body to be eating animal proteins because they're very large, and when we break down those proteins, it creates acid. That's just the basic thing. Carbohydrates, which are only in plant foods, there's really no carbohydrates in any animal foods. That's the natural energy food for us as human beings. So complex carbohydrates, not refined sugar, not refined flour, but the complex carbohydrates that we find in grains, in beans, and vegetables, and fruits, they're in everything. Those carbohydrates burn clean. They burn the carbon dioxide in water. We just breathe out the carbon dioxide. We urinate out the water and we get the energy. They create very little acid. We are a healthy, running, happy machine if we're eating uh, basically carbohydrates. Protein is not an issue. We're eating foods that are just basically you know, whole foods. Don't, don't eat. I mean, it's really important not to eat processed foods because processed foods have a lot of toxins in them anyway, and they usually don't have nutrients in a way that we can use them very well. So we don't eat chips. We don't eat packaged products very much. Uh, in the beginning, you know, when we first became vegan, we, we kind of transitioned that way maybe with some things. But whole foods are much better. Tofu and tempeh are pretty much whole foods. Grains, uh, need, uh, nuts and seeds are whole uh, vegetables. And it, it takes a little learning. It's like a learning curve, but the foods get more and more delicious because we're actually eating those foods in their natural state more. So it's kind of a, a bit of a learning curve. There are these nice things to, for transitioning, like there are vegan versions of ice cream and cheese and butter and milk and burgers and all, all that stuff. So, But I would say if you're going to eat that, Try to not do it for too long and as much as possible, have it be organic. Another big problem right now is that everything is now sprayed with glyphosate, with Roundup. And glyphosate, if you don't eat organic, it's a broad spectrum antibiotic and it really destroys the integrity of the microbiome, which is this whole huge 
uh, community of bacteria that live inside of us. There's actually more bacteria, more cells that are not us than are us inside of us. And so the microbiome is, has an intelligence. It has a tremendous intelligence. And a lot of research just in the last few years has shown that when people eat meat, dairy, and eggs, they create a microbiome that is not in the best for them because it causes leaky gut and a lot of other health issues. But also there's a, the main nerve in our body, which is called the vagus nerve, runs from the microbiome, which is in our abdomen, up to the brain, and it determines our mood. And the reason a lot of people are just kind of uh, not that happy, kind of depressed, kind of frustrated, uh, kind of anxious, uh, and so forth, is the micro- that's, that's the microbiome feels that way. The microbiome is not getting the polypeptides, which come from plant-based foods, that it needs to thrive. People are eating too much fat, sugar, salt, meat, processed foods. And these, these communities, for millions of years, we never ate that stuff or very little of it. So we don't, so it's difficult to be really at peace and in harmony when all of these organisms that live inside of us are unhappy. So when someone goes vegan and doesn't feel healthy, I mean, if you go vegetarian anyway, you're not going to feel healthy. Eating cheese, forget it. I mean, you got to go vegan. But going vegan, which means no meat, dairy, or eggs, eggs also are very toxic. I mean, they're, they're carcinogenic. They're linked. It's like smoking cigarettes. I mean, you're going to oh, get... Wow probably going to get cancer. Like one egg a, a day is like a pack of cigarettes a day in terms of cancer risk. So even the, uh, the free range that some people say. Yes, same yeah. thing. It's the same thing. It's uh, mm-hmm. You've got a huge glob of cholesterol that we're not designed for and these very, very high animal protein. Uh, it's just a lot of acid and, uh, and inflammation. And so the body can deal with it you know, for a while. But when you get up into your, like I am, 60s, 70s, Alzheimer's kicks in. Uh, all these other, uh, you know, cancer, heart disease, diabetes, from from the high fat and high uh, animal protein, uh, there's a lot of saturated fats which are very hard on our arteries. So all these things don't they, they don't need to be diseases. I mean, these diseases were very rare until we started eating this way. So when we understand that when we move to a vegan way of eating, what usually hap- why people don't feel so good, usually. Uh, is because there's, they start cleansing, they start mm-hmm. cleaning out, yeah. and they they're, the cleaning out is worse because you know. But it's, it's important to go through that. It takes sometimes it takes a few months or even a year to just. And, and the other thing is people don't eat healthy vegan foods. They eat sort of vegan junk foods, and then those foods you're not going to probably feel that much better. So whole foods like uh, fruits especially are very cleansing for the blood and the tissues. Vegetables also. Grains and beans and potatoes and sweet potatoes are just great sources of starch. Starch is wonderful. That's where we get our energy. So we can run for miles, bicycle for miles, go through the day with lots of energy. I wake up in the morning, I'm full of energy the entire day. And it's how it is. It's like it's a wonderful feeling. There's no fruit, there's no cravings for any foods. Mm, right. uh, when you eat natural foods, there's you, the cravings go away, which is really wonderful. And I think it, it's just important to eat whole organic foods and to prepare them with love. Mm. eat them with love and to take time to sit down if you're with someone you know eat together it's not just what we're eating it's how we're eating it's the mentality of gratitude and happiness and forgiveness of anything and just make a make eating kind of a sacred time 
where we're not watching some kind of horror movie on TV while we're watching, <laughs> while we're eating, you know, yeah. we should be really thinking and talking about harmonious things, appreciating the food, tasting the food, uh, and thinking of where it came from and being thankful to the farmers who grew it or if we grew it ourselves and uh, try to support local farmers and, you know, th- th- see that we're part of a whole web of life and that we're contributing to the to love. Because if we're eating animal foods, we're not going to wa- want to think about the poor terror of the cow as she was being, her throat was being slit or the fish as she was being pulled out of the water and struggling and panicking. I mean, we don't want to eat panic and terror and fear and pain and despair if we want to build a temple of love and joy and creativity and happiness and beauty. We should have the bricks of our of our temple be bricks of, of joy and nourishment and kindness and love and caring. And that's what we can do if we eat a whole organic plant-based foods that are grown in harmony with nature. I think that's what we can do. It's, it's something our, our culture has strayed far away from. But each one of us can do the best we can to support people who are growing food that is more in harmony with nature. And the beautiful thing is you plant one seed and a tree comes up and you get a thousand million (laughs) seeds, right? And it's this tremendous natural abundance. And scientists have done the research. And right now we're growing enough food to feed 12 billion people, you know, or more. Some some, people, some researchers say 20 billion people. We only have seven and a half billion people, but we have roughly a billion people starving because we're eating fish and meat, which is which is taking which is harming ecosystems and taking away food from other people. Over two-thirds of the fish we're eating are factory farmed, you know. So it's important not to eat factory farmed, you know, huge amounts of corn and soy, genetically engineered corn and soy is fed to these factory farmed fish. And catfish and trout and tilapia and, and salmon, most of the most salmon. And so, and, and there's no, there's actually, as far as fish goes, just to let you know, there's really no oversight. So when they say it's, it's wild caught, you, know, you don't know anything. <laughs> so, uh, so the whole idea God. is to realize, yeah, because they put uh, this thing called can, uh, canthazanthin, which is a toxic chemical that makes the gray flesh of factory farm salmon look pink. So you can't tell. So uh, it's dangerous to, anyway to be eating animal foods. You don't know really what's in there. There's a lot of heavy metals and PCBs. The higher we eat on the food chain, the, uh, uh, the more animal foods we eat, the more uh, heavy metals, PCBs, dioxins, nuclear radiation all concentrate in the foods. So eating lower on the food chain is much healthier. So if someone's not feeling well, uh, like you say, uh, those are the main things I would emphasize to, to, number one, understand it is a cleansing. Number two, eat healthy foods. Number three, allow yourself to get through this. Number four, train your mind to think in a new way. Because I, I had to go through this at a deep level. I had been programmed by my parents and teachers and friends and neighbors and relatives that I needed to eat meat to be strong. You know, and so that, that so so then there may be this, this time after a few months of being a, a vegan, someone says, "I don't feel that strong. Probably I should eat some chicken." You know, that's that old this the story that we hear in our society. So we it's important to read the World Peace Diet and other books that that explain the situation. That actually we have now there's there's films and documentaries about this, and it's well understood that some of the strongest men and women in the world are vegans. Some of the fastest runners are vegans. I mean, the greatest athletes are vegans in the world because the uh, the t- recuperation time is much faster on a plant-based diet. So you can train, actually train harder and, uh, and get stronger on a plant-based diet because the plant-based diet is just much easier on our muscles in terms of our digestion. So um, 
it's important to, to do research on this. And that's a great question. Uh, and also to, just to think not only of our own health, but to think about the, the people going hungry, think about the slaughterhouse workers that have to just stab the animals. I'm telling you, even if it's a free range egg or free range chicken or whatever it is, or cow, they're still killed. They're still all killed. And so I'm, if I'm paying for that, I'm paying for the killing of other beings. I'm paying for their terror and fear and pain. And it's not necessary. That's the thing. It's really not necessary. All It's well understood now by modern nutritional science that there are no nutrients that we need to be healthy that we need to harm animals to get. All the proteins, the amino acids, the uh, vitamins, the minerals, uh, and the essential fatty acids, they all are made... By plants, none are not made by plants except for two. I'll just mention that maybe one is vitamin D, which comes from the sun. So it's not made by. It's actually some mushrooms also make vitamin D, but but that's and then vitamin B12. Everybody says, what about vitamin B12? That's made by bacteria, and so uh, it might be good. I would say we only take one supplement, which is B12, now and then. So it's probably good to get a B12 supplement. Anyone, whether you, whether you're a vegan or not, it's good because. Most people are kind of low in B12 because that's made by bacteria. And now with the chlorination of water and industrially washing everything, a lot lot of people are B12 deficient. So we do take a little um, like spray uh, B12. Uh, But other than that, just eat organic whole foods and you'll be healthy. Just stick with it. That's the main thing. Mm, Wow. It sounds so wonderful to me. And the more I hear you, the more I get inspired. (laughs) I'll ask you a question about that most of us probably want to hear. What would be an example of a well-balanced vegan meal? Right. Well, that's a good question. I think the the um, the main thing is that we get plenty of starch. You know, starch is the actual fuel for our bodies. So potatoes, sweet potatoes, pasta, rice, grains, bread. You know that that is should be like the foundation of our food, and then veggies. Veggies are really great. Uh, all kinds of vegetables, gr- leafy greens are fantastic. Salads are wonderful, uh, and then so so like in our case, what we do is we basically like have two main meals. You know, we kind of gradually transition to that, but we used to have three. But this is plenty. But we have a we, what we do is we have a smoothie typically in the morning. We live in California, so it's not usually that cold. So, um, so that can be a lot of different things. We have a garden, so Melon goes out and gets a bunch of greens out of the garden and herbs. That goes in, and then banana, apple, uh, some nut, walnuts or almonds, and just, yeah, so a few other like special things she likes to put in: some flax seeds and some some um, sea, uh, sea seaweed powder. I think a few things. That, you know, and celery is really good. You can put some other veggies, celery or cucumber. It can go in, and it, it's really delicious. We have a you know good quality blender that actually has a lot. It's all living foods. It's all nothing is cooked, and uh, it's really we found that it just gives energy. She, she also puts actually um, buckwheat in as well, so it's like a little bit of a grain in there too. She has that. We have a, a whole a YouTube channel with her, uh, Madeline's Intuitive Kitchen, where we there's instructions for that if anyone wants to. Oh, wonderful YouTube yeah. channel, but but that is a wonderful we found foundation pretty much for the rest of the day. Usually we have a little snack, uh, maybe around one o'clock of some um, some maybe some carrot sticks, maybe a little. She likes to bake her own bread, 
something like that, something, just a little snack. And then we have the main meal, which is usually like around, uh, you know, dinner time, which is a, a, a starch and veggies. And then sometimes a, like a protein food, like maybe some tempeh or tofu or something. You really, there's, there's protein in everything. And all the, the research on longevity and health shows that basically a lower protein High complex carbohydrate diet is where people live to be 90, 100 years, really to be old, and uh, and gives you all the energy. So because there's protein in in potatoes, sweet potatoes, you know, there's plenty of protein in in grains. There's a lot of protein in vegetables. I mean, protein. There's more protein, for example, in in broccoli and spinach than in steak in terms of you know per calorie. So it's really uh, good to realize protein is not actually an issue. If you're eating whole foods, you'll get plenty of protein. You don't have to. And that's one of the main reasons, by the way, that a lot of people when they go vegan don't feel well because they're, they're trying to eat too much protein. They, they think, oh, I don't have much energy. I better eat some peanut butter. And they eat all this fat and protein, and that just makes them feel worse. It's better to eat rolled oats and potatoes and uh, high-quality bread or, or, um, or you know crackers or rice or... Uh, veggies, you know, apple. Apples are great. I mean, fruits. You know, a lot of energy from from these foods, and that's really what they are. They're energy foods, and then you'll be getting your vitamins and minerals along with them. So many cultures they are obsessed with protein idea, and the body thrives on healthy fats and carbohydrates, right? Right, and the healthy fats is better if they're not refined. We we have we have hardly any oil in the house. We take our our healthy fats mainly just from avocados, mm, yeah. uh, walnuts, Brazil nuts, yeah. uh, sesame. We we do buy tahini, which is like a sesame butter. We make dressings out of that, but it's a whole pretty much a whole food. It's just ground up sesame seeds, and that really it gives the uh, fats in the way that the body can use. Because I've actually seen I've been studying this for like forty years, and I've seen um, the photographs and actually movies of the inside of your arteries when someone eats a, a fatty meal like a, a meat meal or dairy or even a lot of olive oil it's amazing the, the blood is coursing along in the veins fast like 10 15 miles an hour so it's like really moving zooming along in the arteries and as soon as they eat that fatty meal you can just see the whole blood flow just slows down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and, and, and it's all of a sudden, there's all these little globs of fat in, and it starts clogging up. I mean, it's really, when you see the, one of these movies of what happens mm-hmm. to your arteries when you eat oil and fat, you, it, it's okay to eat some oil and fat, but it should be just a little bit mixed in with lots of fiber and other stuff. Mm-hmm. That's fine. But, but if it's a lot of fat at once, you're, the blood slows down and it's really hard on your system. So uh, it's just good to be aware of that. Oh, wow. So olive oil is not a good idea. Okay, olive oil some, but just like, you know, maybe a t- tablespoon with your spaghetti. Don't just pile it on. <laughs> that way, well, people love a lot of fat. You know, it's something about it. That we just like it, but it's, it's going to cause the, the, the harm to your epithelial cells, which... Uh, on the inside of the lining of the blood vessels. And, and that's what ends up with the heart disease and strokes. You know, it's caused by this, the refined oils and fat and saturated fat. Well, we are born with natural wisdom. We know what not to do, what not to eat. But for some reason, we are learned, programmed to keep doing these things that we know not to be right, not to be good for us. 
So we're almost at the end. I have a few more questions for you. But before I ask them, would you like to add anything or read a passage in your book, Dr. Will? Oh, no. I, I Well, I mean, it's really nice of you to, uh, to uh, offer that. I, I think uh, the, the most important thing, really, we've already said, I mean, the, the idea just that uh, these animals that we are living with here on this beautiful earth are just like us. In many ways, they, they have yearnings, they have feelings, they have purposes. They don't like to be confined, just like us. So I think if we can uh, just understand that, keep that in mind. Uh, one of the um, sentences in my book, uh, I'll just read one just briefly. Veganism is the essence of inclusiveness and nonviolence. Seeing sacred beings when we see others never reducing them to objects or commodities for our use. It is the dawning mentality that is foundational to sustainability, freedom, and lasting peace. So, you know, the idea is that that world peace is only going to be able to happen when each of us has inner peace because we're acting with love and compassion to each other and to ourselves then we'll have world peace. But to try to have world peace while we're still eating animals, it's impossible because we're sowing yeah. seeds of killing and violence and terror and fear and pain and misery every day by the billions. And all those seeds we're sowing are, are rising up as war and terrorism, as pandemics like we see as fear. So the idea is to treat animals with love and respect, those who are really at our mercy. And when we do that, then we'll be worthy of the kind of world that we would like to have. Because if we take it away from these animals, how are, how are we worthy to have it for ourselves? That's the big dilemma. So that's why I wrote the World Peace Diet, essentially. And that's why I've traveled to 50 countries, to all 50 states over the last 35 years. I've given over 4,000 lectures per, you know, talking about what we're talking about right now. I never get tired of it, as you can probably tell. Right, right. <laughs> I, you know, it's so, it's so um, important, I think, for us to understand these ideas. Thank you again for your beautiful mission and message and your enthusiasm. Right. <laughs> That's beautiful too. <laughs> the other, yeah, and the other thing is I really want to emphasize is I'm, I'm just absolutely not interested in blaming anyone or criticizing anyone. Every, we're all doing the best we can. It's just right. that we've all been wounded by being born into a society where very well-meaning people, my own mother and father, you know, they taught me to eat meat, dairy, and eggs because they thought it was the right thing to do. So we don't have to blame anyone. It's just to see that now we know better we can act better, and we can actually uh, create a more harmonious world that way in health. Right. So I have a few more questions. I have to ask you this one. Freedom. What is freedom to you? What is to be free? Wow, you ask these big questions. You know, freedom is, to me, is a lot like the, the peace question. Essentially, freedom is our true nature, and it only can function, however, when we are living in wisdom, because otherwise, if I want to be free and I think, well, I'm just going to drink whatever I want and eat whatever I want and do whatever I want, I'm going to create misery and hell for myself and everyone around me and, and imprison myself completely uh, in delusion and pain and suffering. So there's really, in a, a very ironic way, um, true freedom only comes out of discipline. Uh, the kind of discipline that arises naturally, it looks like discipline from the outside. Like people say, wow, for 40 years, you never ate any meat, dairy, or eggs. Wow. <laughs> they think, well, gosh, you know, you've, you've given up that freedom. You know, and To me, it's like it's given me so much freedom. I feel so much happier. It, it was like when I was a little boy and I wanted to play the piano 
my father played the piano and he would sit at the piano and play. And I thought, wow, that's great. He said, yeah, you can do that, but you have to practice. So I had to give up my freedom in a Mm -hmm. sense. I had to sit down every day. I had to mark it on a chart on the kitchen (laughs) bulletin board that I practiced for 45 minutes every day. But I did and I kept doing it year after year. And at one point, now I can sit down at the piano and I have tremendous freedom. Because of that, I can sit at the piano and chords and melodies and music pours through me. I traveled for 40 years making a living playing music for people. And people love it. I mean, they say, my gosh, people come to me with tears in their eyes saying, oh my gosh, your music just makes me cry. It's so deep feeling. It's so beautiful. So the freedom of expressing creatively requires us to practice and practice uh, looks like it's not freedom, but it really is even a, a deeper freedom. So that's the irony. The more I think, the more we practice kindness and caring and uh, understanding for others, the more free we actually become, and we create a freer world that way. So I think that's the the very the great paradox of freedom. Two more questions: If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body. Would you make any change in your life or do anything differently? No, no, I wouldn't. I mean, if I knew I was going to die in a week or whatever, I'm, I live every day like it's my last day. You know? <laughs> I just think this is, I mean, I feel so blessed. I mean, I've, I've had an incredible, wonderful life. I have married the most wonderful person. You know, I just love my wife and, and the work that I've been able to just do to share the vegan message and play music and travel the world, you know, all over the world and talk to people and work together and all of that. I mean, it's just been amazing. And so I'm, you know, I, I, if I die anytime, I'm, I'm ready to go anytime because I've had an incredible life, but I still, you know, love every morning I wake up and I'm like, wow, I get another day. Fantastic. You know? <laughs> it's not a good opportunity, you know, but it may be my last one. You know, we never know. <laughs> so uh, I do the best I can to connect with nature every day, to do something creative, to try to put out into the world something um, of love and, and kindness. And I think we can do that even now with, with the lockdown. We have social media, we have friends, we have people around. We can to just do the best we can to be a force for healing. That's the main thing. Yeah, being okay with that idea. That sounds very freeing to me. It is. Yeah, yeah. no, it's exciting, actually. I mean, I think <laughs> when we, you know, there's an old saying in the spiritual world, you, you are never more dead than you are right now. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. yeah, what we are is, uh, we'll, we'll find that when we leave this body. That's what everybody says. Oh, man, I don't want to come back here again. <laughs> right. So. Yeah, no, it's something to look forward to. Yeah, that's an interesting uh, thing you said, that um, so many of us are afraid right, of dying. And can you imagine if we actually knew that we were already dead in a way? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so what are we afraid of? <laughs> uh, my last question is, what are three things about life you know for sure as of now? Well, you know, I think... Um, the the one that I mentioned earlier, uh, I think is I know for sure is as we sow, so shall we reap. You know, just the basic idea of as we act, it comes back. And so, whatever that is, and then also um, the interconnectedness of all of life. This is something that I feel I I'm, I'm always learning more, but to understand more deeply that there's nothing separate from anything else that uh, the more we love any aspect of creation, the more we, we love ourselves and all of creation. Uh, so those are the two main things. And I guess the third one, if I had to pick a third one would just be um, the idea that um, as individuals, we have the power 
to transform our world, that our thoughts actually create our reality. So as individuals, we can transform our world. We can create communities of healing. And, and that's, what we, that's what you're doing right now. I mean, we're doing this together. We're creating a, like a community. Right now, people are listening to this. We're creating this community. So as individuals, we have the power to determine our food, our actions, our thoughts. And then together, we can create communities of sanity and kindness and caring and healing which can then bless others. So that to me is a very positive uh, understanding uh, of ourselves, of a relationship between ourselves and our communities. Thank you so much again for your presence, your profound wisdom, and your enthusiasm for um, what life is all about. Kindness, compassion, and peace. Yeah. Thank you, Dr. Well. Yes. Thank you so much, Valeria. And uh, thanks everyone for listening in. Appreciate it. I do have one last question for you. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Oh, yes. So basically on the internet is probably the easiest thing, and that's worldpeacediet.com and also Will Tuttle, my name, just W-I-L-L-T-U-T-T-L-E.com. They both actually go to the same place. So either one, whatever is easier to remember, we have there. Uh, information about the World Peace Diet book and other books. I've written quite a few other books. The um, one book on the role of intu- on developing our intuition called Your Inner Islands, a book called Veganism and Buddhism, uh, which goes into spirituality, and another book uh, called Circles of Compassion, which goes into social justice issues. I have a book of music with Madeline's art, for people who can play the piano or like to have a, be able to read music, Madeline's paintings, our, our YouTube videos on uh, my talks and interviews and our garden and uh, all the things we talked about, our, our lecture schedule, where we travel, and now, of course, more uh, on Zoom. Uh, so there's all kinds of stuff there. So just please join us. We have a mailing list and, and we have an online training course. If you'd like to go more deeply into these ideas, we have the World Peace Diet Facilitator Training and people who take that training becomes uh, certified as a World Peace Diet facilitator. And we've had people go on and do all kinds of wonderful things, create movies and books and sanctuaries and restaurants and coaching practices and cooking classes and all kinds of things. So um, we love to stay in touch with people and and support them in their uh, quest for greater health and happiness in the world. Beautiful. Thank you so much again, and we'll talk soon. Great. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Bye for now. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Dr. Will Tuttle and his work, please visit worldpeacediet.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.